1: What would you like the power to do?
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host Sam Ficini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, it is a night game for me over here in Australia, a morning game for Andrew Schlecht over in Oklahoma it is the post Chet Holmgren Renaissance morning uh <laughs> Schlecht first and foremost how you doing today it's early where you are so let's let's jump yeah. in how, how are things going
1: oh I'm doing great I got the coffee going I have the uh still some some post Chet adrenaline still coursing through my veins <laughs> uh, I'm feeling good
0: so it was great. We had planned on doing this, you know, a couple days ago, like before July 4th, we kind of planned on getting together this week and doing a podcast, right? And we were going to talk more about the offseason and everything. And we're still going to do that. That's going to be the second half of this podcast. But I mean, good God. Uh, last night was one of the most fun summer league viewing experiences I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, And it was in large part due to Chet Holmgren and the Oklahoma City Thunder starting the Thin Towers, Poku and Chet, yes. starting Josh Giddy at point guard where he's just slicing and dicing and doing whatever he wants on the court, getting wherever he wants. Uh, we had Jalen Williams from Santa Clara playing really, really well. We had uh, just too much going on all at once, it felt like, for a summer league team. Obviously, this will be a significant portion of the Big Thunder, but – I mean, I'm just going to start here, Andrew. I got texts from four different, you know, NBA scouts, executives, whatever last night, asking me the simple question is it started happening at the end of the first half and continued throughout the game is what Chet Holmgren did last night, the most impressive summer league debut for any draft pick that we could remember. And that, that's where we're at with what yeah. Chet did last night. Like, that is uh, such a staggering realization that I think is just worth putting out into the world. Look, I, I don't want to overreact at Summer League. Like, let's just not go nuts here. But it's hard to not be excited about what we saw last night with Chet Holmgren, I think.
1: Yeah, it was the it was the variety of ways. I think there was an outcome where he puts up similar stats and it wasn't as impressive because yeah. you could see a world where he's just running pick and rolls, pick and pops with Josh Giddy and Josh is just finding him. Right. And that's not what happened. Uh Chet was bringing the ball up. He showcased a variety of moves with the basketball which was a little surprising because it was like, man, this isn't this isn't Chet at Gonzaga. This is not the guy that we saw play under Mark Few last year. Yeah. Um,
0: it was more high school Chet, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was. Yes, it's more high school, more like U19 type stuff from Chet. And I think the Thunder fan base was surprised. I think people were really surprised to see the way that he played, especially the way he just shot the basketball so effortlessly, you know, from three from the free throw line. I think there were some people out there kind of trying to, to tamper the expectations with his shot in particular saying, Oh, well, did you see how he shot in the half court? And the, like the fact is like he was, you know, he's a shooter. I mean, he was shooting the ball right when it hit his hands, he missed his first one, but when he just took it so quickly, we were like, "Oh, okay, this is what we 're going to do and then i don 't think he missed after he took that one um, but i he was he was so impressive, and then defensively, I think a lot of people are like, "Well, look at these giant guys he's going to have trouble with them. He destroyed these i mean taco Fall, Kofi Coburn, yeah. but they're not n b a level like really, they're not NBA level centers, but he made yeah. them look like they weren't. You know, where summer league can be deceiving in some ways. Um, I was just so impressed with him, man. I I don't know what you thought. I'm I'm curious to know what you thought about Chet um, and what you maybe expected to see.
0: So, look, this comes from someone who I had Chet at number one, right? Yeah. I just kind of decided near the end of the process. You know what? if this works it's going to go better than anyone else's highest end outcome essentially and what we saw last night were flashes okay let's say let's say sustained full game summer league flashes yeah of what the upside is so I've always been a little bit higher on his open court ball handling than what other people seem to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always have bought him as like a grab and go guy, for instance. And what we saw last night, you know, he's just grabbing and going and stepping into threes because guys decide not to play up on him. Right. Yep. Uh, the other thing that I really kind of considered because last year, I had Scotty Barnes at five or six. I can't remember. I think probably six uh, on my board. And one of the things that I did not really consider is that for these big six foot nine plus ball handlers. In the college game, if unless their team is playing five out all the time, right, there is just no space to operate in the mid-range as a ball handler, as a driver for these big guys in college basketball. A, because they're just bigger than guards, right? Like they take up more space as ball handlers in that mid-range area, just physically, than smaller guards do. And it can be harder for them to kind of maneuver around without running into help. In the NBA game, the court is just much more well-spaced. A, there's just more space out there geometrically because the three-point line is further back. B, there's more skill out there. It's Even at the summer league level, it's essentially like a college basketball all-star game, let's say, right? So I have always thought that there was a real chance that Chet's ball handling would play up once he got to a better level, especially considering that Gonzaga played drew Timmy next to him. And I just want to get this out of the way real quick. We shouldn't like be shit talking Mark few based on what we saw from Chad Holmgren last night. Like Mm -hmm. drew Timmy was genuinely one of the like two or three best bigs in college basketball from an offensive perspective last year. Yeah. Uh, averaged like probably 20 points a game unstoppable on the block. Like there's, You, If you have Drew Timmy on your team, you should operate in exactly the way that Gonzaga did last year. Mm -hmm. I just want to be very clear about that. Do I wish that Mark may have let, you know, Chet do a little bit more uh, as a driver? Potentially. But again, there's just not a lot of space out there for these guys to be able to attack because of the way that the mid-range area is condensed in college basketball. So I, I say all of that to say the ball handling stuff did not really surprise me. He had a great shooting night. Like, let's also just be clear about that. Like he made his first four threes and he started to feel it. Like you could see after he made that four, three, like he comes down dribble, right? Spin back, left Dirk fade away. Like, what are we doing here? Like you, you could see it, but here's ultimately the thing that made me, end up with Chet at number one. And it's the biggest thing that showed through last night. And we'll talk about the defense or whatever. That dude is not scared. Like that dude thinks he is the best player. Like people will joke around about the stuff he said pre-draft where he's like, uh, someone would ask him who's the best player in the NBA. And he'd go, Oh yeah. Me in three months. Yeah. He believes that like, this is the thing he genuinely believes that. And he conducts himself as such. And I think that that can't be overstated when it comes to something like this. Like he is never going to lack for confidence. These guys that are like skinny and don't, you know, have the great physicality to be able to deal with shit. Like sometimes they just like lose confidence, right? Like they get beaten up and they get chewed up and spit out a little bit. I
1: mean, Poku is like the great, like the, a grand example of that to, to people that have watched the thunder.
0: Yeah. And I think he's like pretty confident for a guy like this, but he still, you know, has his moments where he looks like he's having a tough time. Right. And you can see it like kind of in his reactions. You're never going to see that with chat. He's super professional. He's an incredibly hard worker, tens across the board uh, when it comes to the off court stuff, tens across the board in terms of confidence. I I didn't expect that where he had like twenty three, what was it like twenty three eight and six blocks or something like that. He had multiple assists in the four first assists,
1: six blocks. Yeah. yeah,
0: I didn't expect that, but I thought he would look really good in summer league. I guess is what I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was I was very surprised. I don't, I don't know what other debuts would you <laughs> compare it to? Like what other great summer league debuts like? And, and not all of them are, ended up being great players. I mean, I remember Anthony Randolph just being like an absolute monster in yeah. summer league. So it's just <laughs> you can you can only overreact so much to it, just because it is summer league. And that Utah team looked like a team that hadn't really had a good first round pick in a long time. You yeah, know? they did. Whereas with yeah. the Thunder, I mean, you're starting several first round picks <laughs> and you're playing several guys. <laughs> that are highly touted where
0: there was a real talent disadvantage for yeah. Utah. Like Without let's be
1: clear on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's because they've been in the playoffs for several years. Like this is what happens. Like this is how you, they,
0: get places. Yeah, they, they've also made some shitty picks as well. Like you take Yudoka as a bouquet. Yeah. Like, you know, Jared Butler, it seems like is not going to pan out. I really like Jared pre-draft, but yeah. he just looks like he can't really separate. Yeah, uh, at the level necessary for someone like him, uh, may- maybe that changes. Like, maybe he just had a bad night last night, and yeah. we see better from him uh, over the course of the next little while. But you know that that doesn't look awesome right now. Uh, none of the Mieone, uh Jarrell Brantley, Justin Wright, Foreman, second round, uh, seems to be seems to have panned out in any yeah. way, given that none of them are on the roster. So, like. It it's worth noting that the Utah Jazz are a really poor summer league team. I they have guys that I'm like kind of sneaky interested in. Like I really like Jonathan Williams mm-hmm. uh out of Buffalo. Like, but by like him, I was like, okay, I think I have a two-way grade on this guy when yeah. nobody else in the public sphere at least does. Um I will also note here too. This was the exact kind of game that you would expect Chet Holmgren to find success in against bigs like Kofi Coburn, Taco Fall, guys like that where they can't do anything with them in space. Right. Mm -hmm. And it is worth noting the context of that, like no crazy explosive athletes for the Jazz, no mobile bigs. Wings wings and fours couldn't really do anything with them though last night. Like they tried to pop Vic Law on him, and Vic Law is like a very high level like Australian NBL player. Mm-hmm. And frankly, like if he was slightly more athletic, would probably be an NBA player. But I mean, couldn't do anything with him. Yeah. <laughs> like, can't, can't do anything with chat. It's it it's crazy. And like the block on Vic Law at the rim. Just kind of set it all to start the second half. It was just like, Oh, whole, that to me was like the holy shit moment mm-hmm. that he did last night. That and the dirk fade away. Cause like again, Vic Law is like 25, I would guess at this point and is a good player. He's a high level professional player who could probably play borderline Euro league basketball. Yeah. Um, and chat was just like, nope. No chance.
1: <laughs> I think That's when most Thunder fans passed out. Was whenever Chet blocks it at the rim, throws it to Poku, Poku throws it to Giddy, Giddy throws it. I think to, yeah. to Wiggins and Wiggins dunks. You're like, this is my, my this is my new life, you know. Is, well, Thunder fans, how
0: many times did you just like find yourself laughing out loud?
1: Oh, like, my wife was like, what's, "What's going on with you?" And I'm like trying to convey to her what's happening on the screen as she's like doing something in the kitchen like you just can't I, I mean i haven't i mean the thunder have obviously had a lot of great players yeah. um, but to watch this guy it it did if it, it it felt different it felt it felt similar to those vibes that you had with like the early thunder um it was <laughs> and you're also at the same time thinking and the, and the reason you laugh is because this is summer league and I shouldn't I know, right? have these feelings about Summer League. This is game one of Summer League. Like, what am I doing? Uh, but you still, you couldn't deny just the variety of ways that he was just outperforming everybody. I mean, he was just so yeah. clearly the best player on the floor. And maybe the bar is low for that. Yeah. But still, I mean, that's the bar that was set, you know? And he, he cleared it.
0: Chet was so good last night that, and I love Saruti and I, I don't know Kevin Clark quite as well, but I, I love Kevin's work. Chet was so good last night that Saruti and Kevin had a Spotify live room as Orlando fans thinking they fucked up the first round, the first <laughs> all pick already.
1: No, see, I, I, I feared that. I knew that that stuff would be going on on Reddit or whatever. I feared that for Magic fans because, so you haven't even seen your guy yet like you're already like oh no
0: there there was a point where uh where rusillo came on because saruti's rusillo's producer yeah yeah yeah. and saruti was talking and i could just hear rusillo cackling in the background before even saying anything just like laughing at the absurdity of what's happening right now but that's how good chat was last night like it was uh it was ridiculous i i I don't really know that we need to like dive deeper into chat uh I really like Josh Giddey last night. I know that yeah. like there was some consternation, it seemed like, where, oh no, like he's struggling with turnovers and he's missing shots. Josh Giddy got wherever the hell he wanted last night. Yeah. There was no one on Utah that could do anything with him. Um, I like Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. I thought he did great. I thought he was super effective in the minutes he played. Yeah, uh, had some really really strong finishes. I thought yes. touch finishes, extension finishes, a mm-hmm. lot of different uh, different tools in the toolbox. I thought that were impressive.
1: He he showcased some stuff that I think when people when they drafted him, some people the reaction was, well, how do you have all these ball handlers all on one team? And he showcased some stuff that showed that it's not necessarily just like playmaking with the ball, but being able to cut at the right time and see the floor mm-hmm. the way that he does it's going to be beneficial. I think he had, he had two cuts last night that ended up in, in dunks. And th- it's those kind of things that I think you're going to see a lot from him because, yes, is he going to handle the ball a ton with Josh Giddey and Shea Gilchrist-Alexander on the court? Like No. But can he play with those guys? I think he can. He shot really well off the catch. And then if he's able to cut the way he was last night, I mean, those are great tools to have. And I defensively is the question with him. But, yeah. you know, we'll see. O- offensively, hes I think he's going to fit like a glove with these guys.
0: And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up our dear sweet boy. I know. Poku. It was the purest experience. I was texting with an NBA person during this game. Yeah. And they brought up the idea that he really struggles to play down in competition, Mm -hmm. like in the G league in summer league, things like that, because he is so confident uh, in his abilities, but also can't shoot yet. And that's a significant problem. Mm -hmm. And then he just ends up like driving, not without a, I think he has a plan but he's not good enough to execute the plan yet. Yeah. Uh, like, there are so many flashes where you're like, "Oh, th- this is great, I love it." And then they're like, "Oh, this is never going to work. What the fuck are we still doing here?" Flashes. <laughs> and I, 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 my, my point remains that there is somewhere between a zero and one hundred percent chance that Alexei Pokushevsky is going to be an effective NBA player at some point. I. I <laughs> It's it's somewhere in there.
1: Yeah. At least he did some things that made you feel like he could play on an NBA court. You know, he, he had some nice passes. He stayed in mm-hmm. front of guys defensively at times, you know, got
0: back cut like six times. It was great.
1: <laughs> for, me, for me with Boku, the, what he needs to do this year is not get sent to the G league. Like that's like, yeah. that's what, that's all he needs to do. If he gets sent to the G league early again this year, I think you can at least, I don't know—you really need to pull the plug, but you can put your hand on the plug in preparation to pull it. You know, like he, he just, so here, here's he the thing years in a row, in my opinion, for him to really like make it.
0: We, we play trivia on your podcast regularly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, trivia time for you. Mm-hmm. How much older is Alexei Pokushevsky than Chet Holmgren?
1: Isn't it like, nine months or eight months or something like that
0: yeah it's it's like i think it's eight months yeah <laughs> like very very young yes alexei yeah like a lot of time here still um a lot of potential here still or no, no no it might even be i think it might even be like four or five months now i think about it it might even be yeah. shorter than that um I think it's, I think Alexei is a December birthday and Chet is a May birthday, if I remember correctly. Um, so it might be like five months. Yeah. Um, a lot of time here. Th- this was the whole thing with Pokashevsky and why I understood people that had him as a lottery guy, but also couldn't get there myself. It was because I thought that the. Road for him to be an effective NBA player was like a four year road. Yeah. Uh, It's the epitome of like the two years away from being two years away guy. Yeah. Uh, And it's the Thunder were obviously the most advantageous situation for him to go to. Like if he was on any other team, I don't think he would have his fourth year option picked up. Yeah. But with the Thunder, they absolutely, like I absolutely think they will. He's shown enough to where. Like it, you have to do it. I think. I know the Thunder are like coming up on a roster spot crunch just because of all the draft picks, mm-hmm. but they'll eat salary. I think if they have to, there's no reason for them not to, given how far they are from the floor uh, going forward.
1: There's plenty of other guys to uh, to let go of before you get to Poku, because I mean, you just you keep trying, and if he's honestly, they they just need him to be a guy that can come off the bench, play 15, 20 minutes this season. And make progress. Like that's all yeah. they need from him. They don't need him to like average double digits or anything. There's really no statistical point he needs to reach. It's just can you stay on the court for 15 minutes a game during this season? If you can, I think that's progress for him. Because he just the beginning of last year, he just could not do it.
0: We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is gonna hide your location from your ISP hackers and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Is somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shop blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash gametheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, With Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash gametheory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord, and it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash gametheory. okay uh now that we've done poku corner shout out alexa (laughs) let's talk a little bit about the off season so the way i'm going to structure this is literally i just want to start there are a couple things I want to hit. I I know that I want to hit on Rudy and get your take on that. I've talked about it a little bit, but I want to kind of, I've I've done some more research on it. And I think I have a bit more of like a nuanced take now than what my like immediate reaction was to it. Um, And then I want to talk about the Lakers situation Yeah, and, try to figure out why they seem to be hesitant at the moment to pull the trigger on something with Kyrie, Mm -hmm. but let's, I'm just going to lead it off here. What is the thing throughout this off season so far, which seems a bit held up right now by Kevin Durant and Kyrie and what the Nets are going to do and everything. Yep. What is, the thing that has just stood out to you most among the completed moves that we've seen so far this offseason. Or like the because the moratorium I think ends in like 12 hours, the things that actually have been reported will be completed,
1: I guess is the better way to put it. Yeah. I, I don't hate what Minnesota's done. Like I, I Okay. I I think that they need to be different. And They just need to be a stable good team. Yeah. I think we get caught up in oh, there was a big move made. Oh, they gave up this many picks. Oh, they're not even that close to NBA title. The Timberwolves, yes, they're not close to an NBA title, but if they're closer to stability, that's a really good thing for that franchise. Like they, they haven't made the postseason like two years in a row in since like KG, right?
0: Uh, yeah, I think it's something like that. I mean, it's been a, it's been a very long time,
1: and they're likely to do that if they stay healthy. I think Rudy Gobert raises the ceiling of your team in the in the regular season significantly, yeah. and
0: and the floor for what it's worth, which yeah, is important for them
1: without a doubt. And I, I think that they could be fighting for home court advantage and fighting to get into round two, which is something. And I know people want to make fun of that or say that it's not worth it you have to remember like different NBA franchises have different goals. Like not everybody feels like they can take the group they have and make it into a championship team. And maybe this group could get there with, because we don't know what Anthony Edwards is going to look like next year. I mean, that's one of the big things is he, he was awesome last year and he's got a ways to go. And I think Rudy Gobert just helps them. And do they give up a lot? Yes. Yes. Do they give up too much? Yes. That's a, but that's okay. I think, I think you can be a Timberwolves fan like feel okay with your team because I think they're going to be successful next year. And I still have young guys that are growing. I think Jade McDaniels is a guy that could grow alongside these guys as well. Um, and I like getting slow-mo up there. I think that he adds some versatility or he can play with either big. Yep. Uh, I, I like what they did. I think they're going to be a really good team next year. And yes, so they give up future picks that could be very valuable. Sure. But you're adding stability to your franchise.
0: So I want to start here. I kind of did like a bit of a dive into the age part of it. I still don't like the idea of them going all in, in some respect, before anthony edwards is likely to be ready to carry the offensive load at the level to which he needs to be able to consistently in the playoffs Mm -hmm. uh we're, we're gonna see flashes from Ant over the course of the next you know two years in the playoffs i think at a really high level but you know we see it with younger guys in the playoffs like Jason Tatum has taken time. You know, Kevin Durant, you know, you were a Thunder fan. Like Kevin Durant went through his lumps in the playoffs, right? LeBron James went through his lumps. The best players of all time went through their lumps. I don't like Michael Jordan went through his lumps early on in the playoffs. He was great, but like the odds are extremely high. Anthony Edwards at twenty-one years old is not going to be ready to carry a perimeter attack to an NBA championship. Yeah. Uh just based off of history, not based off of anything Ant has shown, although somewhat based off of the consistency that Ant has shown at this point, even if the flashes are elite. One thing that is interesting, though, is the bigs that have made, let's say, uh, there are 227 players in NBA history that have made at least three all-star games. Mm -hmm. Rudy Gobert is one of them there are 180 players that have made between three and eight all-star games. And that kind of removes like the top 50 guys of all time. Right. And I don't think Rudy is commensurate with those players Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Uh, I do think that like the way to describe these guys is basically, you know, not generational, but era defining in some way, shape or form, because, Rudy Gobert is an era defining center, let's say, uh, in the way that his game has shaped analytics discussion, in the way that, uh, you know, his rim protection has become valued in the way that, uh, just, just a number of different factors here, right? I think era defining, but not generational is probably the best way to describe Rudy Gobert. Uh, there are more guys among those 180 players that were centers and, like, frankly, in a lot of cases, defense-first guys that maintained their value past 30 years old. So, Artis Gilmore was an all-star deep into his 30s. He didn't make an all-defense team after the time he was 30, but he maintained all-star value. Nate Thurmond made all-defense teams until he was 33. Marc Gasol was an all-star until he was 32. Yeah. Pau Gasol had those weird bulls seasons that nobody remembers uh and nobody should remember because what a what a bizarre uh what a bizarre couple of seasons that was uh but he made the all-star team in the watered down eastern conference into his mid-30s i think he was 36 the last time he made one rasheed wallace hung on as an all-star until he was 34 ben wallace was like an all-defense player until he was 32 Mm -hmm. al horford was an all-star until he was 32 Larry Nance Sr. made all-star teams and all-defense teams until he was 34 years old. Alonzo Mourning made all-star teams until he was 32, uh, but was done as an all-defense guy by the time he was 30. And then the best case is Dikembe Mutombo, who won a Defensive Player of the Year award at 35 years old and, you know, was, you know, essentially like an all-defense guy consistently in his early thirties. So, That's actually like a bigger list than what I think gets discussed. Yeah. Among like these guys that have between three and eight career all star appearances. And Rudy Gobert is renowned as someone who takes really good care of his body. The thing that worries me on some level is that, let's say he is. 32. Like, it seems like the average among that group that actually aged well, and this doesn't count guys like, you know, Willis Reed, you know, X, Y, and Z that were done by the time they were 30 making all-star teams. So there are a few of them, right? But even among these guys that aged well into their 30s, the average was probably 32, which makes me think that Rudy's 33 and 34 years old, you know, seasons here. Probably not gonna be incredible, mm-hmm. but that's probably the time when Anthony Edwards is most likely to be ready. Yeah. And you would think, you know, again, 33 and 34-year-old Rita Gobert on a uh large contract is probably not gonna be a wildly valuable trade chip to other teams to recoup some of the value you'd lost if this doesn't go well. And on top of it, you just really limited your options, especially mid season in the trade market because of the steppian rule moving forward. Like they can't actually trade a future first round pick anymore right. mm-hmm. here. On top of that, they actually like I like the guys that they traded too. I'm not like an enormous Walker Kessler fan, but they were clearly. Uh Leandro Balmaro averaged like 16 6 and 6 in the G League this year. He's yeah. actually like pretty interesting mm-hmm. as a bigger ball handler. Uh, you know, former first round pick in 2020 just 21 years old. They also give up the four first, but like Jared Vanderbilt, I think is like a, is worth like a late first round pick. Like he's an effective defensive basketball player that I thought was on the borderline of getting all defense votes last year. Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley. Like there's a chance that Utah is going to be able to flip these guys. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's too much to give up, but I actually do think Minnesota is going to be good. And I think that it's possible that aging conversation around Rudy Gobert has maybe been overstated a little bit, especially given that like he was very good last year. Like he was incredible yeah. last year defensively again.
1: Yeah. And sometimes getting into a new situation can rejuvenate you a little bit. Because obviously that that situation was stale and everybody knew it. It was stale a year ago and everybody yeah. knew it. And so I think getting to a, a new situation Can be helpful. And if, I mean, if this Timberwolves team just becomes as successful as the Memphis Grizzlies were with Zeebo and Marcus Saul, you know, they went to a conference finals, you know, we're just in the playoffs every year. That rejuvenated that fan base so significantly. (laughs) Yeah. It did. You wonder if that could happen in Minnesota too. Because, the reason that a lot of people that are Grizzlies fans now are it's because of those teams and that those situations just matter so much. I mean, ask the Pelicans who just made the playoffs, pushed the suns. Had that not happened? Like, how are you feeling as a Pelicans fan today? You know, like those moments, I know that we think of them as insignificant because they didn't go to the finals or they didn't win the NBA title. But when we're talking about fan bases that are, have been lost in the desert, For 15 years or whatever it is, just having good teams matters. (laughs) And they haven't been able, I mean, they tried to build through the draft for how long? It took, they proved that that was not a great path for them. And they have, and they also, there's also like new ownership and they want to make a splash and they got somebody good. And I mean, to me, it's easy to dunk on the Timberwolves just because. They gave up too much, too many future assets for a guy who's close to 30. Yeah. I get that. If the Thunder did that, I would be crushing them today because I think it would be the wrong thing for them to do. However, sometimes you just have to pull yourself out of the muck and just be a good, solid team. And I think that, the, that that's okay. I think that those kind of moves are okay just to help rejuvenate the fan base a little bit.
0: Yeah. And there are benefits to being a good, solid team when it comes to getting someone in on the mid-level exception, sure. right? There are value based assessments when it comes to being able to, you know, for instance, acquire someone like D'Anthony Melton for the number 23 overall pick, yep. uh, on draft night because Minnesota, even though they can't trade forward looking picks, they can move their picks on draft night if they decide they need a veteran moving yep. forward. So yeah, I I don't love the deal.
1: Yeah. And I agree. It's
0: yeah. not a deal I would have made. Mm-hmm. There's also a pick swap in there in 2026 and two of these picks are after Rudy Gobert's contract is up and you know, you have to hope that Anthony Edwards just, you know, goes God mode, right? Like this is an enormous bet on Anthony Edwards just being like incredible. And I love Anthony Edwards, but just historically it's hard to bet on a guy that's this young to be that motherfucker in the playoffs, basically. (laughs)
1: Yeah they're it's it is very very rare. Yeah. Uh, however, we're talking about the Timberwolves being in the playoffs, which yeah. Just, which is great. Which is just okay. I'm not saying yeah. that this is like a slam dunk a home run for them. I don't but I just think that it's it's just sometimes too easy to dunk on these teams when it's like man, like you haven't been through what we've been through and to just, you know, come out as a competent team. Is like is an is an okay outcome for yeah. All the franchises.
0: Yeah, and I think I probably went a little bit harder on the trade in my immediate impact when the sticker shock was just like yeah, what yeah, in the entire fuck did they just do versus now like really diving into it and being like, you know, not what I would have done, but I can see the pathway here at yeah. the very least. Yeah. Uh, can Speaking of like Western Conference teams that are in need of a pathway, the Los Angeles Lakers, can, can you figure out wh- why in local, with deals that haven't happened, you just never know with some of the reporting, right? Like, it's teams trying to get specific messages out. It's one specific agency in all likelihood trying to get a specific message out in this case. But like, I can't really figure out why they wouldn't be all in on a deal that gets them out of the Russell Westbrook business. You know, much as I think you and I are like fans of Russell Westbrook in general, like you watched him for years. I like love Russ, but this was a disaster this year. You get out of that and you bring in the perfect fit with LeBron And then on top of it, like to make the math work salary wise, like you're going to have to get basically one of Joe Harris or Seth Curry, uh, who also is like a perfect fit as a shooter next to Kyrie and Anthony Davis and LeBron. I I can't quite wrap my head around why the Lakers are playing this. Maybe it really is just like a leverage game on some level, but like, this is the unequivocal best case scenario for the Lakers in these waning LeBron years. Am I missing something here? Is it really just like Kyrie hate? Like what, what am I, what am I missing here? I guess.
1: I think it is just Kyrie Irving. Don't you think? I mean, it's, it's such a strange year. It was such (laughs) a strange year. It was such an, I'm sure such an exhausting year. Um, and I, and Russ brings his own problems to the table. But he's gonna play. Like at least Russ is gonna play. Like, are we sure that Kyrie's gonna play? I mean, that's a I mean, that's a question that you have to just keep asking yourself. And I
0: think yes. Don't like the the reason he did not play outside of for when they play in Toronto, yeah, is now gone. Yeah. Right? And I, I you get know, it. We, we can talk about Kyrie as a personality that has worn out is welcome now in multiple places and all of that yeah but like he sh- barring injury he should pull i got he should be able to play like the problem that existed this year is no longer there right
1: yeah. he, he still has to give you at least some trepidation though i mean because totally this, because this is it right for the lakers this is the tr- like this is probably the trade that they the only trade they can do to make themselves better. However, like this is it. Like are you sure that this is it? And if so, if, if they're going to give up 27-29. I mean, to me you've got to protect those at least some because those could be those could be big time picks. Um, I don't know. I Kyrie would give me if if I were sitting in the GM chair, and my choice was kyrie irving and i didn't have to do it today i would probably say let me, can i just sleep again can i can i just can i just think about this a little bit more um, that i would i would totally understand that i would want to i would want to sleep for a month straight just just to have that on my heart for a while yeah. before i traded for kyrie irving like honestly i i get the trepidation
0: so let's say that this fails Right. Let, let's say that, like, the Lakers acquire Kyrie in some regard. Yeah. Give up Russell Westbrook, Taylor Horton Tucker, or whatever, and they get Kyrie and Joe Harris or Kyrie and Seth Curry. Yeah. Whatever the deal structure is. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, let's say this fails. LeBron maybe leaves this offseason, right? Kyrie maybe leaves this offseason. So you get nothing for them. You still have Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Anthony Davis missed a lot of time this year. Anthony Davis is still like a nine or 10 time all-star and you're going to be able to get back three or four first round picks. Rudy Gobert just went for, you know, four unprotected yeah, first round yeah. picks at 30 is
1: reasonable. Yeah. That's a reasonable thought.
0: So you're getting back a lot of the picks you've moved already. Most of them, to be honest, if you want to rebuild uh, and if LeBron and Kyrie leave, you're rebuilding as it is. Yeah. So,
1: what is it with rebuilding, is that you want to have your own picks? You know. Yeah, you do. And if you you give do, a- and you're
0: yeah. going to have half of them, yeah. yeah, which is tough. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Um, if if I'm the Lakers and I have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kyrie Irving, and you give me Seth Curry, you give me you know Thomas Bryant who just signed there, mm-hmm. Juan Toscano Anderson, um, whatever you can get from the you know, Lonnie Walker, Kendrick Nunn, yeah, you know, Troy Brown, Austin Reeves, obviously, who I think is really good. Like, you give me that core, I think I'm winning a title. I think I have a. I don't. I'm not, I don't think I'm winning a title, but I think I am firmly in the title mix, or you know, yeah. I, I think I'm firmly in the title zone. To coin a Windhorse Deal Zone <laughs> term, uh, like th- that, to me is. That's the move, right? Like, what, what, it, what, what, how else do you get out of the Russell Westbrook thing? You don't. Which very clearly did not go well, and you yeah. need to change it somehow. Yeah. What is the other deal on the market that works?
1: There's not. That's, that's the thing is that there's not another one. I mean, people talk, I, talk yeah. about them just like offloading Russ to a team. I, I don't think that's possible now. And I don't think, I mean,
0: I, I don't buy the Pacers. Yeah.
1: Thing. No, no. Like any rebuilding uh, team is, trust me, any rebuilding team does not want Russell Westbrook on their team. I mean, I guess a buyout would be like the only yeah, you buy him out. Yeah, um,
0: you, you're you're doing it to acquire assets, and if you're, so so here here's the thing. So you're moving the 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 quote unquote rumor that is out on the internet is Miles Turner and Buddy Heald right? Yeah, Miles Turner is worth over one first round pick by himself in value probably more than that if, yeah. I, if i'm being real but i really like miles i think miles is a great fit for them too mm-hmm. uh buddy healed two year deal 39 million dollars a year you probably get a late first for him on his own right maybe Thanks. it's like maybe it's a few seconds right yeah, yeah that makes so, sense so yeah. yeah like you're getting let's say two firsts and two seconds in value in miles Turner and buddy Hill. Mm-hmm. Russ is a negative asset. Yeah. So you're moving. You're going to have to attach stuff to move him
1: mm-hmm.
0: in most situations. Right. So, so <laughs> the Lakers don't have enough to attach.
1: The math doesn't work. The, the
0: math doesn't work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, and honestly, if your goal is to win the NBA championship, you're you're probably just better off with the Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris deal.
0: And let's let's be clear here. It's we don't know if Joe Harris is on the table here. Yeah. Uh Joe Harris has, I believe, two years left at like 16 a year, something yeah. like that. Um the Nets love Joe Harris. Like he's been there forever. He is a like huge part of their organization. Like Mm -hmm. from everything I gather, like they, I don't know that Joe Harris would be immediately on the table in the way that other people would, which is why I also bring in potentially Seth Curry as like another option here. Um, to make the math work because you need another salary with Kyrie just to make the math work with mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook's contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this is a get out of jail free card for the Lakers. Yeah. It, it just really is. Like, I, I get that you want to publicly posture, and I get that you want to do all this stuff. And, and if I'm the Nets, and ultimately it comes down to, do I think I'm moving Kevin Durant? And I don't know if I'm moving Kevin Durant or not. Um, I I would think, you know, given he asked for a trade, I would very strongly look into that. But if you're moving Kevin Durant, then you're not doing any better than like taking on the rust deal and getting two first round picks back from the Lakers. Right. Even if there are protections on them or like an unprotected and a 28 pick swap.
1: It's the only trade that makes sense for both teams because who's taking who's take who can take on the risk of Kyrie? Like what what other yeah. NBA franchise? Like honestly, like if you could what other NBA franchise would take him at this So point?
0: so just mathematically, right? Yeah. Like let coming up with deals that work CBA-wise, the Mavericks could put together something like you know, Dwight Powell and you know, what dwight powell and like tim hardaway junior dwight powell and davis bertons like something like that like one of those two you know yeah. you get off the powell money uh if you're the nets in a year and then you have the longer term hardaway junior davis bertons money uh you probably still need multiple firsts just to take say, on
1: yo, what are they going to do to sweeten the pot here
0: those dollars and if i'm dallas i don't know that i have interest in that. Yeah. Like, so I, I don't know that that leverage totally works, but I, I think it's worth considering that there's a reason Dallas has probably been brought up. That is a, that's a deal that is mathematically on the table pretty easily in terms of like functionality. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the other team is Philadelphia that I think I saw Shams may have reported. That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I can't imagine. Like, I would feel bad for James Harden at that point. If if you ever wanted to, like, turn public opinion on James Harden favorable, like, give him Kyrie Irving again after the way that that ended in Brooklyn.
1: Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could swap Tobias for him. But holy smokes. Is that – it's just – the Philadelphia fans have not been through enough here. Is that – just yeah, I would I would struggle with that one.
0: So so it'd be like Kyrie for Tobias in what like Jaden Springer and Matisse Thiebel or something like that would be your idea. Like
1: yeah, yeah, I think that 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 makes sense. I don't I don't I'm not giving up B-ball Paul in that situation. I'll tell you that.
0: Well, don't, you're just sucking up to Hollinger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I watched him yesterday in summer League. He was he was it was beautiful what he did. Uh,
0: God, I would feel bad. I, I can't I cannot allow in my heart Kyrie to end up uh I I don't know though. Like you put Kyrie, James Harden, Joel Embiid, Doc Rivers in a room together oh. and then make Spike Eskin and Mike Levin podcast about it. For right. months on end, that Th- that literally could be the end of the Rights to Ricky Santos podcast.
1: It could be, or it could just be another birth for them. You know, I, <laughs> I would I would actually be in it for for that portion for just the the for the Ricky, honestly.
0: Oh, every every episode would be must listen. Yeah. Every single one, it'd be unbelievable.
1: But would lose his mind if Kyrie was on his team.
0: <laughs> oh my god! But like, yeah, I just this has to end with the Lakers, right? It with Kyrie. Right.
1: Well, and LeBron and with LeBron, it just, that's where it makes the most sense. It's like, okay, yeah. who's the guy? Who's the guy that he can play with where you feel confident that Kyrie is going to get his career back on track. You know, yeah. and it's, it, it's
0: maybe it's Kevin. Like if KD decides to stay in Brooklyn and they run this back another year. Yeah. I, I'm still, I would still love to watch this Brooklyn team. I will say that. Like I'm, I, I love it if they decide to keep Kevin, but KD seems like he wants to go. So I don't know yeah. what to leave there. Um yeah. Okay, so I, I brought up this move. Uh do, do you have another one outside of the Rudy deal that like really stands out to you is interesting.
1: Uh I just like what Boston did. I think that yeah. they they got a lot of value for not a lot going out and They kind of, I mean, the Malcolm Brogdon deal addresses the problems that they had in the finals. Yeah, I just I like a team that made a finals run, that made some improvements around the edges, that didn't give up anything, that didn't really change anything. However, they got quite a bit better, so I I really like that for them. Uh, I'm excited to watch them. And then Gallinari is just like a nice regular season piece. I don't know how much he can play in the playoffs, but you have enough pieces where you don't have to play them in the playoffs. So if you can just save you know grant williams body you know five minutes a game or seven minutes a game just by playing gallo during the regular season i think that those those kind of moves are pretty valuable so um i like it i like what boston did quite a bit
0: yeah and and they needed another floor spacer like they just needed someone who can shoot at the Mm -hmm. end of the day and they got two guys who can really shoot in malcolm brogdon and danilo gallinari but that, like that there were times this year where it felt like it was crowded yeah. when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum would drive. Yeah. And with those two on the court, it will be less crowded, mm-hmm. uh, I think is a good way to put it. That, that's what you're looking for on the margins, though. In Boston, shout out to them. They're going to pay the tax this year. This is this is why you avoid the tax for all those years, I guess. If you don't have like in, insanely wealthy ownership like the Los Angeles Clippers do mm-hmm. Um. How do we think the Deandre Ayton thing ends?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's in a lot of ways tied to the Durant stuff. Uh I'd be surprised if he played for the Suns. I just feel like the options of teams that people drew to Ayton are are running out a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. What a what a weird saga, honestly. Played so well. I mean, they just—they were in the NBA Finals a year ago, and looking great. And he was one of the reasons why. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, he's never, never going to play for this team ever again. There's just been so many weird things coming out of Phoenix over the last few months that just have to have you feeling a little uneasy. That the guy that you picked number one wants out for his second deal is concerning and then the whole we don't care about the draft stuff is weird um i don't know how it's gonna end but as a phoenix suns fan you just have to hope like, what's the best trade that you can make and get something like equal value back for Aiden? i think that's it's tough it's a tough thing to do like i hope they don't just trade for another functional big man Like don't don't just like fill the the hole of DeAndre Ayton with that because he's just too valuable in my opinion. I I don't think we've seen the best version of DeAndre Ayton yet, Uh, and you're already ready to let him go, or he's already ready to go. It's just like, man, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with him.
0: I don't either, and it's weird because DeAndre Ayton is like really good at basketball. Yeah, yeah, really good,
1: and and good specifically for that team too.
0: Here is your complete list of players, according to basketball reference, that have averaged at least 17 points and 10 rebounds per game in a season before they turned 23 years old Mm -hmm. uh, or or in their 23-year-old season or younger. 17 points, 10 rebounds, shot 60% from the field. It's Dwight Howard and it's DeAndre Ayton. Like, those are your two, and that is it. Uh, that is, like, crazy to yeah. me. It's crazy. Like
1: it, also, I feel like DeAndre has left a lot of stuff offensively on the table. Like, stuff that I feel like he, he can get better. Like, he's not – I don't yeah. know. man. This is just – it's just so weird.
0: And then, like, if you reduce it to 55%, because, look, like, 60% high. He is Chris Paul yeah. feeding, him ball, feeding him the ball, right? It's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's Buck Williams, who was like a multi-time all-star early in his career in the 1980s. Uh, It's four years of Shaquille O'Neal. It's three years of Dwight Howard. It's two years of Charles Barkley. Um, And then it's DeAndre Ayton and John Collins, who, by the way, for some reason, the Hawks are trying to move right now for some ungodly reason. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get why there isn't a bigger market for DeAndre because you can't point like with John Collins, you can point, Oh yeah. Like he's kind of a tweener defensively. You don't know what to do with him. Yep. There's kind of a lot going on there. Uh, I think he's gotten good enough at the four defensively. He's good enough at like sliding his feet in space now and being aware rotationally. It's where he's not a liability, but he's not a plus defender. Yeah. DeAndre is a plus defender now. Yep. Like he's a plus defender at the center position. He can guard out in space. He's, you know, he he falls asleep sometimes at the basket, but he's pretty good as a help side defender now. He's not elite at it by any stretch. That's the thing that's holding his game back, if anything. But I, I he's really good. He's twenty three years old, and he averaged seventeen and ten, and shot sixty three percent from the field. Like, what are we doing here? His he potential to shoot it, like he can defend.
1: Well, I, and if you care about life beyond Chris Paul, yeah. you have to. He and Booker and Bridges, like that's a, that's great. Like, what do? Why are we not doing everything we can to make this guy happy? Yeah, it's just it is a it is such a strange situation to me. Because what what can you get back for Aiden that's going to satisfy you? That's going to make you feel like you did well. I
0: see. Like I've been trying to figure out. Is there like an Indiana, Miles Turner, DeAndre Ayton, like yeah. swap kind of oh. thing? A, so here's the thing, like, look, Chris Paul can play with any kind of big.
1: Yeah.
0: Chris Paul is particularly good at feeding rim runners. Mm-hmm. Miles Turner is good as he is. And he's a phenomenal floor spacer for a big, great rim protector, better defensive player overall. And DeAndre Ayton is not a rim runner, right? Like, Pick and pop guy, not like a crazy downhill athlete necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've still been trying to figure out, like, is there a Miles Turner and a first round pick deal there? But if if I am Indiana, wouldn't I just rather extend Miles Turner? Like, I'd try to at least.
1: Then have a. I don't know. I'd rather have Aiden if that kind of deal is available. Like, give me DeAndre Aiden. I'd rather Thank just you. have the the better player, and then you can reunite him with with Jalen Smith. You know? Yeah. And you know what?
0: Like you then have Tyrese Halliburton, you have Ben Mather, and you have DeAndre Ayton, you have Yeah uh Chris Duarte. Like that that's your that's your core four moving forward. Mm-hmm. It, that's pretty good. Like that that's a really, really good core that you feel like you can build around. You're still probably not going to be great next year, but you're probably competitive because Tyrese is good and DeAndre's good. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're right. Like maybe I would do that you'd have to throw in like some other stuff obviously, but like it's if I'm Phoenix, there's no
1: way I'm doing that though. That just doesn't feel adequate. That doesn't feel like that really gets me anywhere. Maybe they're a little bit better next year, but man, if I'm Phoenix, I'm thinking, I mean, Chris Paul's 37. Like how much longer? I, I just can't, to me, I can't, Throw guys like Miles Turner or whoever at this team trying to make it better today. Like when you have an option that keeps you good today and good in five years, and you're giving that away so that you can maybe be slightly better for one year, like Aiden could be a lot better than Miles Turner next year. He's 23, you know, by the time he's 25, it could be like, man, I cannot believe that they traded Miles Turner for DeAndre Aiden. He's averaging. 2012 and two blocks a game and he's just crushing it for the Pacers.
0: The the other one that I've been trying to figure out is could this be like a place for if Toronto decides they don't want to put Scotty Barnes in a Kevin Durant deal? Yeah. um, Maybe DeAndre makes sense there. Like trying to figure out like, okay, we sign and trade. Gary Trent or something like that. We, we sign and trade, you know, precious and Gary Trent for Deandre Ayton or something like that. And that, again, that makes Phoenix worse. I I don't like that deal. Uh, Like, I I think it's a dumbass idea. Yeah. But if they're just like set on, fuck it, we, we don't want Deandre anymore for some reason. It's It's such a
1: wild situation. I feel like I have incomplete information on, on what's happening with DeAndre and Phoenix. Uh,
0: Look, I think that like, look, I've talked to people and I still just don't, I I think it comes down to ownership at the end of the day. Like, I mean, that doesn't come like, don't Robert Sarver for a long time has been a very cheap owner. And I think that if this was a owner that was willing to consistently pay the tax and has proven that over a long period of time, they would have extended DeAndre at the deadline or like at the extension deadline back in October Mm -hmm. coming off of a fucking finals run where he played better than Nikola Jokic for a full series. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing about it with DeAndre. That's the crazier thing. Like outside of this Dallas series where he was not very good. Right. And they got beat. Yeah, Yeah. He's been playoff proven. Like he's been good. This is not a situation where you have to play him off. He's twenty-three. Play him off the
1: court. He's twenty-three. Like twenty-three-year-olds have bad playoff series. Yeah, that happens every single year. And to act like, oh, okay, well, he's just cooked. Like, n- no, he hasn't. He's still approaching his prime. He's still not even close to his prime. It's just as it's a weird time to trade a guy who was the number one pick who has performed well, like you said, and helped you get to the NBA Finals, and. I don't know they act to me they just act a little bit like they're I don't know they're they're not a team that has just been in the playoffs year in year out and a franchise that's just had like such stability like just sign DeAndre make him happy stabilize your franchise for a little bit longer before you start making wild decisions if DeAndre Ayton in a year is unhappy you can trade him then like that's that, be a tradable That's player.
0: the other thing People are acting like, oh, yeah, he's just like a limited big. He's just like a rim runner and all this stuff, and you don't want to pay those guys the max. To an extent, I get it, and I am generally hesitant about paying bigs. Yeah. I also think that people are drastically underrating how hard it is to find all of the things that DeAndre Ayton can do in one player. Mm -hmm. He is a really high level scorer. Like he just averaged 17 points per game on, you know, the best team in the NBA during the regular season, 17 points, 10 rebounds. He's probably one of, I don't know. What do you want to say? The 10 best rebounders in the NBA, something like that. Uh, average 11 and a half point or rebounds as a sophomore. Like he's phenomenal rebounder. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, shot blocker, good shot blocker, good solid overall defender. I think he is big enough and has figured out how to use his frame well enough in drop coverage to where he's pretty good rim protector. Uh, he's also a switchable defender that you can keep on the court in a playoff series. He has potential to shoot. Uh, he's made looking at the numbers here 75% of his free throws over the course of his career. Uh, took a three basically once every four games and made 37% of them this year. Like, non-zero chance by the time DeAndre Ayton's 26, he's shooting threes. Yeah. Like, it's... I get that he's limited as a playmaker, like, as a passer. That stuff can come for bigs. Like, it tends to come a little bit later, I think, than what people would tend to think. Hmm. But if that's, like, your one hold up here because the rest of it's pretty complete yeah it's harder to find those guys than what people think in a package that is seven foot tall 250 pounds doesn't get beasted by other true centers like that's the difference between him and like bam at a bio for instance bam is for me like one of the three best defenders in the nba Mm -hmm. and is a better overall offensive player than deandre as well because he can pass and he can do some similar things uh playing with the ball in his hands different offensive player but effective
1: yeah i mean if i'm atlanta i'm doing anything i can to get him
0: that's a good one that's a great one yeah but like bam, to go back to bam real quick like bam like the difference is bam is six foot nine and can get beasted by joel and occasionally yep. right like deandre that's not really going to happen mm-hmm. um I agree with you. If I was Atlanta, I would try and figure it out, especially if you can do it while keeping DeAndre Hunter. The problem with that is, I mean, look, maybe, maybe they reached out and Phoenix has more interest in a first round pick than Kevin Herter. But yeah, Yeah. you know, like Kevin Herter on some level you would think is like a pretty good asset for Andre Ayton, like to start with in a trade, yeah. But they also done have picks to move now. So, like, wh- wh- what is the Atlanta move? I-, I don't, I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you are Phoenix, I think you want players, obviously, because you, you don't value picks because you don't value the draft. So you just want players, right?
0: That's so a maybe, good point.
1: Maybe it's Collins, and I mean, if it was Collins and a Kong Wu, like if that's your package. Like, that's pretty interesting. And to me, if you're giving up, if you're getting DeAndre Ayton, like, I love Akongwu, I just, you don't play those two together. Um, yeah, I
0: agree yeah. with that.
1: And so, I I don't hate that for Phoenix because I do think that Okongwu is going to become a really good player. So, if you just have to trade DeAndre Ayton, like, that kind of package, I think, makes sense. You get two good players to fill your rotation. One that can kind of grow into a bigger role. And then if you're... Atlanta, you have this core of Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Ayton. I, I, I like that quite a bit. DeAndre
0: Hunter as well. DeAndre
1: Hunter there, who is a, actually a great fit next to DeAndre Ayton. Yep. That to me, what, what the Hawks have needed to do is raise the ceiling of their team. And they've just kept, I felt like they've raised the floor a little bit too much. And now you, that's, your, that's a ceiling move for me a team that can grow together. I I like that quite a bit for them. If they could, if they could pull off a move for, for Aiden, I think that they're a team that I think should.
0: So I'm trying to figure out how close they are to like the luxury tax and to like the apron. Yeah. I think they actually could do something similar to that. Um, They're far, I believe don't, quote me on this this is how i get in trouble like just talking before i know <laughs> certain um i believe that they are far enough away from the apron to where they can sign and trade in deandre and if you're set on getting rid of deandre ayton john collins and m- maybe you keep on and you move clint capella to like a different situation yeah but like john collins and what you could do John Collins, AJ Griffin. I don't know. I'm trying not to include a Kong Wu. a Kongwu is probably the guy that makes the most sense from a salary perspective to yeah. put in. But if I was Atlanta, I wouldn't really want to do it. Then again, if you add three teams, it can get a little bit funkier where you can like send guys multiple different directions. If you do this with Capella. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is it. Maybe it's, you know, you send Clint to a third team. If there's a team that wants Clint Capella, you lost one with Minnesota, but maybe you could send him to Utah and Utah's trying to stay competitive with Donovan Mitchell, maybe. So maybe yeah. they give up one of the like That's shittier it. first round picks they have. And then I, I don't know. I'm like trying to like come up with a bunch of random shit off the top of my head. And yeah. it's hard.
1: But don't you think it would it'd be tough to develop a Kong Wu into what, He's kind of meant to be with a guy that's going to play 35 minutes a game in his position. Like, I just yeah. don't know how you do it. I don't. I, I know you wouldn't want to give up that talent. I mean, you just took him in the top 10 in 2020. Yeah. I, I get it. But there's only – when you bring in a max level center, there's only so many ways for it to work.
0: Yeah, I think it's more for me that like – I also am a big John Collins fan, and I think that mm. I'd rather just have Collins in a Kongwu as opposed okay. to Ayton yeah. more, more because I just, again, like I actually really like both those guys. Yeah. Um, but like if I could, I mean, you may solve like a problem with John Collins, like, cause I, I don't, I can't imagine John Collins being like a problem in a locker room, but like,
1: it's another weird one. It's like, oh, yeah, I can't figure what, that what out. Would you, what would you want next to Trey Young? Like, oh, a four that's a, a high flyer, but can also shoot threes. And it it is a weird situation, too, where it's just been a it's been a foregone conclusion for a while that he's just going to get traded. Uh, and I don't know why I,
0: yeah, he's good at basketball. 20, like John Collins is really good.
1: Ball. Yeah these are both baffling situations to me that i don't I can't quite like put my finger on like why like why are these happening like they both seem to fit quite well with the teams that they're playing with,
0: yeah, and like I think part of it is maybe that Anyeka like they think that Anyeka is like a real rim runner, like you'd almost rather move and like I'm gonna bring miles Turner in again, like mm-hmm. I would love to do like maybe it's. Anyeke Kongwu for Miles Turner, and then Clint Capella out to a third team or something like that, and then you try to extend Miles Turner, and then you keep John Collins as your rim runner, and then you have Miles Turner in the corner, and you get Miles Turner's rim protection with his floor spacing, and then you get full John Collins rim running to the basket all the time, and or picking and popping and like playing five out, like something like that is interesting for me from a fit perspective.
1: Yeah. That to me just feels like another floor raiser and not necessarily a ceiling raiser for me. You know what I mean?
0: I don't know. Like you tell me that the Hawks could be. You could do Trey Young, Dejounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Miles Turner. Yeah, that's a fun team.
1: (laughs) That's a really fun team. The top of the East is so good though. Now, like you've got to kind of you've got to make a pretty ballsy move if you're yeah. Atlanta or you just have to slow play it a little bit more, which I feel like they pushed the button too fast where like, maybe they could have had a better draft pick, you know, in a year, um, you know, last season other than, but I don't know. I don't, I don't love what yeah. they've done getting all these players that kind of raise their floor a little bit too fast. I think you got to let it marinate a little bit.
0: Deandre does fit the age timeline for Trey and Dejounte, though, in Deandre Hunter. Yeah. Which yeah, is good.
1: Yeah, yeah he does. Um,
0: and yeah. they're all mature enough to where like they're past the youth of it all, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Yeah. No, if I was Atlanta, I think I agree with you. I'd go for DeAndre. But yeah, the the fact that DeAndre Ayton has struggled this much to get like. Thirty million dollars a year is kind of baffling to me, especially given the way that the money is supposed to rise in the next couple of years due to TV contracts.
1: Yeah, I was going to say this max contract is not going to look like a max in three years.
0: Yeah, it's a mini max, like it's a twenty five percent max. It's yeah, bizarre.
1: It's, yes, these are the times that you get guys on max contracts and you feel very good about it.
0: Yes, pay the money, like Robert Sarver. For the love of God, just pay the money, like
1: we just don't own the team anymore. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. sure, and I, I know that. Suns fans have been beating that drum for however long he's owned the team but that's yeah. it's that you hate that to be the reason why like teams don't make it or that yeah. players don't get signed is because of ownership like those are the those are the worst situations in the NBA
0: and maybe it's not. Maybe James Jones just doesn't have faith in DeAndre anymore. Or maybe like the core pieces have been like we don't we don't love DeAndre anymore. Yeah. Um I, I don't know that. Like I'm speculating on potential other reasons. It could be based on, you know, the Phoenix Suns not signing DeAndre Ayton.
1: Right. I would almost rather it be that situation where it's like personality wise, this isn't gonna work. You know, it's this- just
0: too baffling to me otherwise I yes like and I, I don't but like deandre it seems like it's just like a dude that likes to hang out and play video games and like seems like a pretty like good dude right? so <laughs> yeah. like i don't i don't know like yeah. maybe um, maybe he's like ready to move into a bigger role i get that but you're gonna be able to move Paul's into a bigger role when...
1: winner for you because yeah. like the chris this chris paul team's almost like it's not gonna last forever he's 37 yeah, yeah. no i agree
0: it's weird. Andrew, uh, we've gone for an hour 15. I don't really want to go much longer than this. Yeah. Uh, tell the people what's going on. Tell the people where they can find you. Tell the people where they can find your incredibly excited tweets about Chet Holmgren moving <laughs> forward.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Uh, you can. So if you're going to be in Vegas, I know a lot of MBA people are going to be in Vegas. The Athletic NBA show is going to be live on the concourse of the Thomas and Mac at 2 p.m. Friday, Saturday, Sunday this weekend. So come hang out with us. It's going to be a really fun time. Uh, you can listen to the Athletic NBA show. You can listen to Down to Dunk, which is my Thunder podcast, where we get to talk about Chad Holmgren for a long time. So <laughs> uh, come check it out. Um, and thanks for having me on, Sam. This is fun. <laughs>
0: Of course, man. It's always great to have you on. It's always great to chat about the NBA uh, with Andrew Schlecht. You should go follow Andrew. He's just like the best. Uh, Just the most fun person uh, that I enjoy talking about the NBA with. Uh, This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, I think we're closing in on like 3,000 subscribers at this point, so we're doing pretty well over there. Uh, Keep it locked here, though. We'll be back... Later this week, if something happens, I don't know. I'm waiting for something to happen. I don't know if it will.
1: Chet plays again tonight. That's another thing that happens.
0: There you go. Maybe I'll podcast again about Chet Holmgren (laughs) because he's now just everyone's favorite basketball player. It did not take long for this to happen, did it?
1: It took one quarter.
0: Thanks, Andrew, for coming on. Yeah, man. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.